that we serve a God who is worthy of our praise. If you would stand, we'll continue with our song service. Matthew chapter 5, verse 16 says, Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. It's good to be in the Lord's house today. Brother Benson, would you open us in a word of prayer, please? Please join us in singing hymn number 227, Saved by the Blood of the Crucified.
Thank you. You may be seated.
Do it stand once again. We'll sing hymn number 167. All hail the power of Jesus' name. this morning. Brother Potts, would you pray for us, please? Amen. Thank you. You may be seated.
<laughs> this is my wife's sister, Rachel Rice, and this is my wife's brother, Mark. They are from Texas. Here, Linda is Mark's wife. She is originally from Oklahoma City. She moved to Texas when she married Mark. <laughs> hold me fast when the tempter would prevail he will hold me fast I could never keep my hold through life's fearful path for my love is often cold he must hold Precious in his holy sight, he will hold me fast. He'll not let my soul be lost. His promises shall last, brought by him at such a cost. He will hold me fast. He will hold me fast. He will hold me fast. For my Savior loves me so. Justice has been satisfied. He will hold me fast. Raised to him to endless life. He will hold me fast. Till our faith is turned to side. When he Hold me fast 
would stand once again we'll sing hymn number nine there's room at the cross for you
Praise the Lord. It's good to be in the Lord's house today and to have each one of you with us. Um, if you would take your Bibles, turn to Hebrews chapter 2. I do want to mention that Miss Crystal's parents are with us, Brother and Sister Rice. Uh, Brother Rice has pastored for a number of years. How, how many years have you been in Fritch? 38 years in Fritch, Can uh, Fritch Texas. I'm going to make it Fritch, Kansas. I wish they were that close. We've enjoyed a great friendship through the years, and uh, I was um, visiting with a friend of mine, Matt Dedman, and I was looking for a staff guy, and I said, I need a staff guy. And he goes, have you thought about Charles uh, Marino? And I said, who's he? He goes, he married Crystal Rice. I'm sorry, brother, that's just the way it is, right? I've been Rex Fuller's son-in-law forever, so as you know, that's just the way it is. And I said... Um, no, but I said, Brother Rice will never let them go. 
And uh, so I prayed about it, and I called Brother Rice and uh, asked him if I could talk to uh, Brother Chuck about coming here and working on staff. And uh, he said, yeah, yeah, that, that'd be okay. I don't think they'll come, but that'd be okay. And, um, actually, it was a bigger process than that because it took a number of weeks. And, um, but anyhow, that's how we ended up getting them was because Dad was willing to let him go from his church. And so we've enjoyed them, and uh, hopefully uh, we've watched them blossom, I think, right here in our midst. It's been a great thing to have uh, Chuck and Crystal. And uh, so you pray for them. We're headed to a home missions conference on Monday down in Oklahoma City. And uh, this home missions conference, there'll be 100 or more home missionaries down there and uh, our hope is that Brother Charles will be able to be presented and uh, that they'll be able to get some support to help them on their move to California. The big roadblock right now is a place to live, okay? Uh, we don't want them living, you know, under a tent on Skid Row or anything like that. So they need a place to live. We need to pray about that, right? God's called them, amen? Oh, hold on, hold on. Let's wake up, church, okay? God's called him, amen? And he's equipped him, right? I mean, he's a good preacher. And uh, she's a good wife. And uh, we can hear their, we've seen their talents. And so God's got a, a plan for him. Give him a church, amen? And so now we just need a house. And that's a small thing. I think God knew about the house long before he ever let him be called to California. We just, it just needs to show up. And so... I kind of wish it would show up like next year and it could stay here all year. No, I really don't. Because now you can actually call Pastor Chuck, Pastor Chuck, or Pastor Marino. uh, And uh, because Friday night he was uh, rightfully ordained here at the church. And uh, it was an exciting time. And I'm excited to hear and see what God does with uh, these kids as Hebrews chapter 2. If you found that and you can, stand with me in reverence to the reading of the Word of God. While you're there, hold on, I want to read you a verse. 1 Corinthians 2, 1 through 9. This is our theme verse for the year, God is faithful. And there we read, God is faithful by whom ye were called into the fellowship of His Son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. So I want to carry on with that thought that God is faithful. Our theme is faithful for, uh, for this year. Faithful is our theme. But I want us to stay focused just a little while here on the fact that God is faithful. Hebrews 2, verse number 1. Therefore, we ought to give the more earnest heed to the things which we have heard, lest at any time we should let them slip. For if the word spoken by angels was steadfast, And every transgression and disobedience received a just recompense of reward. How shall we escape if we neglect so great salvation, which at the first began to be spoken by the Lord and was confirmed unto us by them that have heard him? That him, yeah, them that heard him. Verse 4. God also bearing them witness, both with signs and wonders and with divers miracles and gifts of the Holy Ghost according to his own will. 
Let's pray. Lord, we love you and we thank you for our time together today. Lord, it's our prayer and our desire that you might be honored and glorified through the preaching of your word. I pray that I just be a conduit or a mouthpiece to be used for your glory. Uh, you've given me things I've studied this week and have put in note form. Lord, I pray that uh, those uh, ideas and thoughts would be conveyed uh, as you would have them. The Holy Spirit would move in our lives and our hearts that you might be honored and glorified through the preaching of your word here today. We praise you for the great and awesome God that you are. And we're thankful for the way that you lead and guide men and women uh, into ministry and the way that you place them where you want them. And we uh, just pray that uh, you would uh, go before the Marinos as they go and that you prepare a path for them. And Lord, today I pray that we would just see the faithful hand of God in their life and in our life and in the life of our church that you might receive the honor and the glory and the praise for it all. We ask these things in your blessed and most holy name that all the people said, Amen, you may be seated. I will say this at the outset, that I, this is such a meaty portion of scripture that I could break it down by commas uh, to preach it, but we don't have that many years ahead of us uh, just to make it through these first four verses. So I'm going to be giving an overcast Hopefully you'll be doing a lot of study on your own. It'll plant a lot of seeds, a lot of thoughts that you might um, munch on for the rest of the month. Okay, so Christ reveals God to man down here. That's why Jesus Christ came. He came to reveal God to man down here. And he represents man before God in heaven. Okay, so Jesus Christ came to this earth to represent his father God to man. And then he stands in the presence of God in heaven and he represents man before God. God is the revealer, or Christ is the revealer of God to man, and Christ is the representative man before God. Today we're going to look at the danger of drifting. Okay, so the message is entitled The Danger of Drifting. Uh, this is for the child of God. Okay. This, we can't slough this off and say, oh, this is for lost people, this is for someone else. This is for you. This is for me. If you know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, this is for us. Chapter 1 deals with the deity or the exaltation of Christ. So as I'm studying away here in chapter 2, I'll be honest with you. My preaching was going to be from verses 14, 15, 16, 17, that's what grabbed my heart as I began to look here. But then as I began to go back, I'm like, ah, I've got to do this justice. I've got to begin at the first of the chapter. And the, as we start here, the first word is therefore. And when I was told as a young man, whenever there's a wherefore or therefore, you need to see what it's there for. And so I went back and read Genesis or Hebrews chapter 1. And in reading through chapter 1, we find the deity or the exaltation of Christ and he's compared with angels and yet he's higher than them and he's compared to others and he's higher than them. he is the son of God and we come to chapter 2 and we find that this chapter deals with the humanity of Christ the fact that he left the glories of heaven and he came to this earth and took upon him the form of a man that we might be saved and we ought to all say amen praise the Lord for that and so we, we consider, first of all, that word, therefore. And so 
uh, the, the preceding chapters where Christ is exalted and his place is lifted up. He's higher than the angels. He's the son of God. He's the redeemer of mankind. And he should not be taken for granted in our lives as a child of God. Amen? He ought to be precious to us. Amen? That ought to be the fact we love him because he first loved us. We should love him in return. Have you ever had people in your life that, that maybe you didn't love, and yet as you got to know them, as they drew close to you, you begin to love them and appreciate them, and you love them because they first loved you? That's the way it is with Jesus Christ. He loved me when I was a sinner in sin. He loved me in spite of the fact that I didn't love him. I didn't want him in my life. I had my own mind, my own direction, my own plans for my life. But he loved me, and he loved me unto himself. And because of that love, now I love him, and I should want that love to be seen. I should want it to grow. I should want it uh, to be nurtured and, and growing in my life. And so we ought to give the more earnest heed to the things which we have heard. Why should we give the most earnest heed to the things which we have learned? Or might we say, why should we give the utmost attention to the things that we have learned? Because we love him. So this last week I got the crud. I'm not proud of it. I was not proud of it at the time I got it. We were together on Monday morning and... Uh, She's enjoying a coffee, and I'm drinking some tea, and I said, I just don't feel quite right. I just don't feel quite right. And uh, one of the gifts I wanted to give her, uh, we went to, to find that gift I wanted to give her for Christmas, and the one I got her wasn't satisfactory, so I returned it. I said, I'm going to get her a good gift. And so we went, we made a trip. By the time we were in the middle of that trip, I said, I I got this just kind of nagging, dull headache. Just kind of, By the time we'd spent an hour and a half, two hours out, we got home, I said, I'm going to lay down. Just, you know, just, it, that's the way it creeped over me. That's why I call it crud. It just kind of just slowly enveloped me. And within hours, I'm in bed, and she goes, oh, you got that stuff. There's part of this equation that I really, I, I didn't want to have. And she goes, you're going to throw up. Almost like taunting me. I know she wasn't. I know she wasn't. She knows how much I hate to do that. I'd, I'd rather do anything. I'd almost rather go to the dentist than to throw up. But, I mean, it's, they're both very traumatic in my life. <laughs> and I'm like, I... I I, I don't know, I, I don't know, and so the whole process then begins, you know, and, and I didn't, hallelujah, didn't throw up, hallelujah, thank you, Lord, for that, I did not do that, thank you, Lord. Um, but then I begin this process, and she comes in, she's so sweet and precious, she comes in about 5.30 that night, and she's got this, this uh, basket tray thing with food on it. She goes, are you hungry? And I'm thinking, and I told her, I said, Honey, get that out of here. It just nauseates me. Just the smell. Let alone the thought of food. You, you know what it's like when you get that sick? It's like food? No, I'm not interested. That's how I know that I'm getting well. When I'm hungry, bring it on. You kill the fatted calf, bring it on. I'm hungry, all right? 
And it's like, I'm not going to mess around with a bunch of that soup and junk. Let's get some barbecue or, you know, some good old... I'm a Kansas boy through and through, and if it's not meat and potatoes, I'm not interested, okay? Don't give me a fancy foo-foo salad and tofu and all that garbage. Just, but anyhow, I'd rather stay sick, but no, I'm teasing. So I, this process. Now, what she did by bringing that food in wasn't to taunt me, wasn't to make me sicker, although she left it lay on the bed. Of course, I'm over here in this one side of the bed all kind of... And, and so I, that night I began to roll over and there's, she'd made toast, uh, sourdough bread. And I normally love that stuff, but I rolled over and smelled that. I'm like, oh, that's so gross. It's so gross. But the, where I'm going with that is that she loved me enough to care for me through the whole process. Matter of fact, uh, she, she, you know, the, so we... She came in, she sat down. I'm like, what are you doing? Aren't you afraid you'll get this? She goes, I already had it. And she said, I just want to be near you. I'm like, oh, that's so precious. Just wanted to be near you. And she, so she stayed for a little bit. And then, then she, she went on about, you know, doing her duties and things like that. And it was just, it just reminded me of how I should desire to want to be with God. I should desire that. I should want to be with him. And and not just when I'm sick or when I'm hurt or when I'm in need, but I should desire to be with him at all times. And then he uses this phrase about uh, the give the most more earnest heed to those things that I've heard. And God's been so good to me. I've he- heard the preaching of the word of God and I've read the word of God. And that those things aren't just mm, actions that I go through in life. Those things are for my betterment and for my good. And I had to give earnest heed to those things. I know some of you are probably sitting here thinking, well, I've come, I've heard some good music, I'm waiting on this guy to get done, and then I'll get out of here and I'll go about other things. But I would just want to just encourage you, you ought to give some earnest heed. You ought to give some earnest heed to the things that I want to share with you, the things I want you to know, the things I want to break the scripture down so that you might hear them, that you might take them and apply, apply them in your life. So we ought to give the utmost attention to the things of God. You say, preacher, I've got, I've got so many other things in my life that need my attention right now. And can I just say, I can testify to that. I can testify to that. There's still a process that I go through, maybe on a monthly basis, where I just decide some things have to be pushed aside. There are the most important things that need to be done. And then there's things that are just kind of peripheral. And I'll get to them when I get to them. But these things are the most important And can I just challenge you, Christian friend? Don't make God and his stuff the the non-important peripheral stuff. His needs to be pushed to the middle of our life. It is through him that we are here today, that we can function, that we can raise our families, we can love our spouses. It is through him that we can face the uncertainty of the day and the hour in which we live. We need him now more than we've ever needed him before. And if anything, we need to give the most earnest heed to the things that we have been taught. Not come to the point where we say, ah, you know, here it is, 2023, and I made all my New Year's resolutions, and I just kind of decided, you know, I read through the Bible last year. I don't need to do that this year. And, you know, I did a lot of praying last year, and I'm not going to worry about doing so much praying this year. Can I encourage you? You need to do more. 
more than ever before. You need your Bible more than ever before. You need to pray more than ever before. You need to memorize more than ever before. You need to meditate on the Word of God more than ever before. We need the Word of God. We need great doses of it in our lives that we might prove ourselves faithful unto Him. And then we come to the end of verse number 1. And he says, lest at any time we should let them slip. We should let them slip. Now, several of the theologians I've read after here have hyphenated this to say, or drift, or drift. And the first thing I thought about because of my mechanical background is drifting is cool. Some of you get that, some of you won't. So in the mechanical realm, we're always wanting faster and, and sleeker and faster and more horsepower. And I read a quote this week by Shelby that said, there's not, a such, there's not such thing as too much horsepower. It's not enough traction. And I'm like, yeah, I like that. And uh, my son posted today on Facebook. He's such a great, great lad. He posted, don't give me a Nissan drifting when I can drift in a Chevy Dually. Oh, yeah, that, that kid's learned good. And maybe pulling a Ford while you're doing it. I'll throw that in for Brother Jim right there, amen? So we're thinking about to let it slip or to drift. These, this really, to be honest, it's kind of a nautical theme here, to let slip or drift. And the idea is that we would let slip or drift, those things that ought to be important in our life, that we would kind of just let them slip away, that we would let them get away from us. So I, I went and I looked this up. I, I found it awfully interesting, and I hope you do too. Big differences that little things make, okay? So consider this. If you're going somewhere and you're off course by just one degree, after one foot, you'll miss your target by 0.2 inches. Kind of trivial, right? But what about if you go further? How about after 100 yards? After 100 yards, you'll be off by 5.2 feet. Not necessarily huge, but pretty noticeable. After a mile, you'll be off 92.2 feet. That's getting to be pretty big, right? One degree is starting to make a big difference. After, if you're traveling from San Francisco to L.A., you'll be off by six miles. If you're trying to get from San Francisco to Washington, D.C., you'll end up on the other side of Baltimore, 42.6 miles away. Traveling around the globe from Washington, D.C., you'd miss by 435 miles and end up in Boston. So you're going around the globe, whoo, throws you off. And a rocket going to the moon you'd be 4,169 miles off, or nearly twice the diameter of the moon. Going to the sun, you'd miss it by over 1.6 million miles, nearly twice the diameter of the sun. Traveling to the nearest star, you'd be off course by over 441 billion miles, 120 times the distance from Earth to Pluto are 4,745 times the distance from the earth to the sun. One mere degree. One mere degree. 
If I begin to let slip those things that have been important in my life, if I'm not careful, I begin to drift from my moorings. Oh yeah, I was raised in a good independent Baptist church. I love Jesus. I love my Bible. I love to pray. I love good music. I love those things. But you know, there's some things that are necessary here. I'm raising my family and I've got, you know, they, they have needs and, and uh, there's things that I'd like to do with my life. And uh, I just kind of begin to just slowly, slowly drift away from, from that point where I used to be. In a year or so, I'll look back and go, my goodness, how did I get so far away? How did that happen? How is it that I, I, I got away? I mean, I, I, it wasn't like I took a big step to do it, right? I've just slowly, over time, I've just slowly moved away from. And I think what happens a lot of times in people's lives, I've knocked their doors and I've talked to them on the doorstep, and I've had them say, I used to go to a Baptist church. I used to sing in the choir. I used to be a deacon. I used to be this. I used to be that. What happened? Well, we just kind of quit going. Or we got mad because they changed the color of the carpet. Or we got upset over this. Or we got upset over that. The truth of the matter is that we need to, to give the earnest heed to those things that are important in our life. And if you think that church and God are not important to your life, then I just encourage you to get saved. Because maybe you're not saved. And if you are saved, then I would encourage you to fall in love again. You know how adultery happens? It doesn't happen one morning a guy or a gal wakes up and says, I'm kind of tired of this person I'm married to. I think I'm going to test the waters. I think I'm going to go out and find someone else. It begins with uh, maybe an argument the night before that's unresolved. person heads to work and one or the other of them kind of goes, you know, this person here, they're really nice to me. And they begin kind of maybe a little flirtatious thing and, you know, becomes a little more regular. And, and maybe then it's a lunch date here or a lunch date there. And, and then thoughts begin to invade the mind. And before you know it, things have gone way out of hand that they never intended. And I just challenge you this, stay in love with the one you married. Stay in love with them. Remember why you married them. I was talking to my wife just yesterday. We were driving along. And I said, you know, there's, there's still this picture of you in my mind when you were 17. And she had dressed up for a banquet that we were going to. And that thing's just like burned in my head. And I said, I remember we started dating. Uh, she was, well, we kind of courted 15 to 18. We never really dated, okay? Some people think, we're going to let Johnny and Susie go out in the car and and they're going to go on a date, and everything's going to be fine. Mm, that didn't happen around our house. Uh, we were always in a big crowd, usually with her mom and dad. And, and, you know, I think those things are just so necessary. It's a different sermon from where I'm going. But um, so those, those memories are fresh in my mind. I want to keep them there. I want to remember, why was it that I loved her? Why was it that I chose her? And then as we go through life, I still tell her how beautiful she is. And she's still, oh, no, not really. I'm, oh, no, no, you are, yeah, you are. And I don't know if it's because she just likes to hear that a lot, or, but I like to say it a lot. I want her to know, right? I want to stay close. I don't want to go away from my center. 
And so it is with the Word of God and the things of God. Listen, Timothy said in 2 Timothy 1.3, Hold fast, hold fast the form of sound words which thou hast heard of me. Timothy's saying, is being told to hold fast those things that you have been taught. Church, I would say to you, hold fast to those things that I've preached from this pulpit. Hold fast those truths that I've proclaimed to you. Hold fast to those truths that you hold there in the Word of God. Hebrews 4.14 says, Seeing then that we have a great high priest that has passed into the heavens, Jesus the Son of God, let us hold fast our profession. Don't forget who Jesus is. Don't forget the price that was paid for your salvation. Don't forget what it was like to be lost without any hope, without any peace, without any comfort in life. Don't forget what it was like to be searching through this life, wondering, why am I here? What's the meaning of life? What's the purpose of all this? Don't forget what it was like that night that you got up on your knees and you called out to Jesus and you said, God, forgive me of my sins. Come into my heart and save me. Oh my goodness, I hope I never forget. Look, I made it up. I hope I never forget that. That's a, that's a good feat, brother. I hope I never forget what it was like to walk out knowing my sins were gone. Man, remember the lightness that came with that? Isn't it crazy? There was no weight that was visible upon my shoulders, but there was the weight of sin. And it weighed me down and it held me down. And that night when I called upon the Lord and asked Him to forgive me of my sins, when I got up, it's like, whoa! I've never felt this good. This is awesome. My sins are gone. Heaven's my eternal home. Hallelujah! This is awesome. I never want to forget that. You know, the only time I've experienced anything like it is when I get to share with someone else and I see them get saved. That's why it's important that we share the gospel, that people might get saved. You know, if, if, if you've never won anyone to the Lord, I would challenge you, pray every day, Lord, this year, let me see someone saved. Let me give a track. Let me just share with them what you did in my life. God, give me one person this year that I can be reminded of what it was like when I got saved. Hold fast those things that we have heard. Hold fast those things. Give the utmost attention. Don't let them slip. Why do you think it is that here in Hebrews, after this great exaltation of who the Son of God is in chapter 1, that we come to chapter 2, and there in chapter 2 we see the humanity of Christ, and he starts off with this thought, don't let it slip, because it slips. It happens. It happens to pastors and pulpits, doesn't it, Brother Rice? We can get going along in life. We think, oh, everything's great, everything's grand, blah, blah, blah. We get distracted. We get off course. And before we know it, we wake up someplace and we're going, oh, how did I get here? I need to get back there. It happens to Sunday school teachers. It happens to deacons and choir members. And it happens to those who clean the church and those who come on a regular basis. Listen, it happens to us all. We need to keep our focus and we need to keep our eyes upon Jesus and we need to stay close to him because slipping is real. In Revelations chapter 2 and verse number 25, he says, but that, I love this, but that which ye have already hold fast till I come. 
That which ye have already. Okay, I think I would find here in, the, in this wonderful group people who would agree this could be the year Jesus comes. Amen? This could be the year. This could be it. I'm praying it is. This could be the year that Jesus comes. Remember what Revelations 2.25 says. Hold fast till I come. Don't slip now. He's close. His coming is near. Don't slip now. Don't give ground. Don't lose faith. Don't lose hope. Don't give up. Come to verse number 2. And I put there the promise. For if the word spoken by angels was steadfast, and every transgression and disobedience received a just recompense of reward. And for the sake of time, I'm not going to give great detail here because I really want to get to verse number 3. Uh, before we're done, but I would say of verse number two that the word of God, the word of God spoken by angels was steadfast. As Psalms 119 verse 89 tells us, forever, O Lord, thy word is settled in heaven. Thy word is settled in heaven. The word of God needs to be settled in our heart today. We need to be willing to say, you know what? I've settled it. This is the truth. This is the truth. Anything that goes contradictory to this lies. And I'm going to follow the truth. I'm going to read it and study it as if it's the truth. So did you ever be a Boy Scout or a Girl Scout? What do they do? They give you a book. And they want you to learn these little pledges. I'm a Cub Scout. I can't remember what it was. But I did it when I was a little kid. They give you a book to learn. When, uh, when I became a mechanic, uh, there's so much that changes, so much in, in different automobiles that uh, they, they had a room for us to go into. Now it would be computers for you to deal with. But we had a room. And in that room was just walls of manuals. And you walk in, you'd look for whatever vehicle you were working on. You'd pull out that manual. You'd turn over to whatever the issue that you were wanting to deal with. And you'd look down and, and you'd look about how to fix it. And the, the first thing they always say is disconnect the negative battery. The first thing they always say, disconnect the negative battery. See, if you ever have problems with your car, just disconnect the negative battery. No, it's much more than that. But there's books. Going back to the books. I just challenge you with your Christian life. Go back to the book. It is settled forever in heaven. What is the most important book in the world? Is it Reader's Digest? TV Guy? Is it, uh, you know, I, I've seen on, on TV talking about first edition books and they're worth like a quarter of a million dollars and all those kind of things. Can I just say this book right here is priceless? I don't care if you get it at Walmart for $2.99 or you go down to Goodwill and you pick it up for a dime. This is the precious, precious Word of God and it Thank is you. priceless. Yes. Settled forever in heaven. Settled forever in heaven. Leads us to verse number 3. Verse number 3. And I've entitled this The Impossible Question. The Impossible Question. Hebrews chapter three or chapter 2, verse number 3. How shall we escape if we neglect so great salvation? which at the first began to be spoken by the Lord and was confirmed unto us by them that heard him. One writer says, and I agree with this 
um, that this is one question that even God cannot answer. Think about the question. The question is, how shall we escape if we neglect so great a salvation? You know, it's not like God can sit down, well, you know, there is a way around it. You do this and this and this. And, and you, you do these things and you can circumvent the outcome. There is no way to circumvent the outcome. There is no other option. The option for the child of God is that we serve the Lord, that we remain faithful to Him. You want to have peace, joy, and happiness in your life? Then you need to stay close to God. You need to walk with Him. You need to seek Him. You need to pray. You need all these things in your life. But listen, if you decide to walk away, remember now this this whole chapter is written to those that believe. And so this isn't writing to the, the ungodly. This is writing to those who are supposedly saved. How shall we escape? Or how should I escape if I neglect so great a salvation? What if I say, God, thank you for saving me. Now I'm going to go live my own way. I'm going to do my own thing. I'm going to go my own path. I've got these things that I'm going to do. How is it that I can expect to not receive his admonishment? How can I escape if I neglect so great a salvation? How is it that I think that that God's not going to punish me or want to bring me back into the fold? Or how is it that I think so lightly of my salvation that I'm going to walk away from it? Remember what your salvation cost. The precious Son of God went to a cross and was crucified there. He didn't go and swoon there. He didn't go and halfway die there. Listen, they crucified Him. They had beat Him. They had plucked His beard. They had mocked Him. They had ridiculed Him. Any one of those things, none of us would have been willing to take. And yet He took them all for our sins. And He allows them to drive the nails into His hands and into his feet, and there he hangs and dies for our sins. And how do you know that he's dead, preacher? Because then it says that they took a spear and they ran it up in his side and out came forth blood and water. I'm telling you that Jesus Christ died for our sins. He died in our place. And we are wretched of all wretched people if we think that's not a big deal. That's not important. That's not something I need to worry about no big deal to me because I got my plans and I got my direction. I'm going to go my way. How are you going to escape if you neglect so great a salvation? I think it'd do us good if maybe at least once a week we would start maybe Monday morning. We would start Monday morning with this thought. God, how great is salvation? Maybe with pad and pen in hand. And we can look at it from many different ways. How great is the salvation wherewith you saved me? How great is the salvation wherewith you're willing that all should come to repentance? That all might be saved? How is it, God, that that this salvation is so great? What did it cost you? What is its impact in my life? What is its impact in the life of the world around me? How important is this? It'd probably just do us good if we'd stop and consider, how great is this salvation? Because I'm afraid, if we're not careful, 
And we pick up our Bible and we read through a section like this and we're like, oh, yeah, that's great. Now let's, let's go have supper or let's go about this, let's go about that. When in reality, these are some of those wonderful choice nuggets in the Word of God that you could meditate upon for the rest of your life and never come to the full point that you feel like you've grasped it all. Never feel like you've grasped it all. I don't know that we'll ever in this, this finite body, this limited body, this limited thinking, I don't know that we'll ever be able to truly grasp that salvation. I'll be honest with you. I, I still cannot fully grasp what happened at the cross. I can't even, I can't even, I just can't even. The weight of the sin of the entire world placed upon him. His only dad, God the Father, turning away. The mockery and the ridicule, the jeering. I've often said this, it's a good thing I wasn't God. Because it would start over with all new people. But God's plan was that we might be. That was for me. The great thing about God is that He's not willing that any should perish. He wants us all saved. I want you saved. I want you to know that your sins are forgiven. And heaven is your eternal. I'd do it for you if I could. That's what makes it so so important. It's a personal relationship with Christian friend, once we've accepted that free gift of salvation, then let us remember, you know, with that, there's some things I ought to do. I need to live for him. I need to love him. I don't want to neglect my salvation, the price that was paid, the Savior who died for me, the great love of God that purchased that salvation for me. I don't want to neglect those things. It caused me to want to draw closer to Him. Draw closer to Him because He drew close to me and paid that price on Calvary. Lord Jesus, I love you today. I thank you for your word. Thank you for my salvation. I did not deserve it. I still don't deserve it. You're such an awesome God. Jesus would go to the cross of Calvary and there die in my stead, in my place, for my sins. God, thank you. Thank you that I can know that I'm saved and on my way to heaven. Thank you for removing the doubts and the fears and the uncertainties because I, I've settled it. I, I know I've done what you've asked me to do. It's settled forever in heaven. Thank you, thank you, thank you. But God, would you help me here in 2023 to live for you in a greater way than ever before? God, help me to stay focused 
on those truths, those things that are needful for me. Help me not to neglect this great salvation that was purchased for me. Help me not to neglect your word or to neglect praying or meditating or memorizing or being faithful to the house of God. Help me to be faithful to you, Lord. Thank you for the blessings of being here today. And Lord, I ask the Holy Spirit to do your work in our lives that you might be glorified. We ask it in your blessed and most holy name. Amen. Would you stand with me? Altars open. If God's spoken to your heart, encourage you to come. Whatever your need is today, encourage you to come. house today. I'm going to have Brother uh, Potts come with our announcements. I would like to uh, meet with the deacons and trustees about 1245 in Brother Peterson's room. I know that kind of pushes you on the lunch thing. I apologize for that, but we do need to address some things. And then church members will be here at one o'clock. Brother Charles is going to be preaching. I encourage you to be here for that.
All right, uh, officer nominations, uh, they're in the back. Uh, please, if you have someone to recommend, make sure you go to them first. Uh, ask them if they would like to do that. And then uh, we'd like those submitted no later than the 11th of January uh, in the back in the offering box. Uh, chili cook-off and game night's coming up. That's on January 20th here at the church. Uh, we'll be playing some favorite games. That'll be at 6 o'clock on January 11th. Uh, the couples retreat in Branson, that's coming up. Uh, please sign up online. Uh, two options, February 16th through the 17th or 17th, 18th. And now we've got to register by January the 25th. So you can save some money if you do. Uh, church business meeting will be on Wednesday, January the 25th. Uh, be in prayers for Linda Booth. Uh, she had surgery on her foot uh, to cure up some infection. She's at home recovering. Don and Linda Booth. And then prayers for uh, the Marinos as they prepare for their move. Uh, that's a pretty big task. Uh, getting that all ironed out, financial support. Uh, Brother Aaron, can you close us in prayer, please? 